Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, your podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky, and this week I am joined by the man who has just installed his new Armitage Shanks barbecue. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? I'm doing well. I've actually, you might be able to hear in my voice, I've got a little bit of a sort of nasally cold. And of course, in these like pandemic days, as soon as you've got a cold, everybody assumes that you got COVID. But I, I don't have COVID. One, because I'm fully vaccinated. And two, because COVID isn't a snottery illness. My wife Paula has just started a little business selling essential oils, like fragrant oils. Mm. So she's given me this little uh, pot of like natural poppers that says um, <laughs> that says breathe on the on the top there. So whenever my oh, no- yeah. whenever my nose gets a wee bit bunged up, I'm just going to take a, a little nostril full to clear me out. Okay. So if we hear you inhaling deeply, we know that you haven't been to the 24-hour shop on Hutchin Street. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, you've been <laughs> inhaling natural poppers. As a- natural poppers? I suppose, yeah. I did, yeah, because I used to, when I lived in Dubai, I was never bothered with my sinuses at all until I lived there. And I had years of sinus issues. So you would always find me with a bottle of Albus oil in my pocket and regularly inhaling that quite deeply. Well, it's been dusty. I mean, I, when I lived in Kuwait, when it was dusty there, and it could be dusty there for like on and off for like the first sort of two or three months of the year, and I would always be bunged up. It's like, and it's it's horrible because it's warm, but it's overcast, which is weird because when you come from the UK, when it's overcast, you expect it to be a wee bit nippy, or at least a wee bit cool. And um, whereas here, it's so it's really kind of it's sort of stuffy. You know what I mean? Because it's warm and it's it's warm and it's been dusty, so. That's all, but that's all I put it down to. I don't have any other any other symptoms other than being a bit bunged up. But I've got my natural poppers there, my uh, natural record cleaning fluid. <laughs> so I'll just take a I'll just take a nostril full of that every now and again, and I'll be really relaxed. Now, before we go into the news this week, and because we have a news ban on a certain product, we do. So let's cover this before the news, because you sent me a photo this week of uh, a certain product that you had sampled. So would you like to give it a little review on the Swally? Uh, I can do. We sort of, So we said last week that we wouldn't have any more Iron Brew news, but whilst this is an Iron Brew product, it's not an official Iron Brew product. So I, 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 men- <laughs> I mentioned these on a couple of episodes ago of the Swally when we were talking about Iron Brew for a change. Uh, and they're, made, they're by Aldi and they're millions. So any of the young people listening will know about millions of little sort of tiny, chewy kind of rocks, like flavoured little chewy rocks, I guess, is the easy way to describe them. So my friend, my wife and I were at my Scottish friends on Thursday night, and uh, she's got a real sweet tooth. So she's got a drawer full of sweets that people have brought back. from. So generally things that you can't pick up in Dubai. And she, for some reason, had a few packets of Iron Brew Millions, which she gave. She gave a packet each to my daughters because they were with us. We were playing like cards and stuff. So I... I tasted them, and um, they taste a bit like Iron Brew. Not, you know. <laughs> oh, good. You could manage. I mean, I'm not, I could manage a whole packet, but I managed like a pinch, a pinch of Iron Brew millions, and that was enough for me. So, you know, if you if you want to rot your teeth out, then get yourself down to Aldi. About, well, that was the news, wasn't it? They just got them back in stock, and they sold out really quickly. I think that was a news story, right? It was indeed. So, oh well, that's a good review. Then we know that they they taste like Iron Brew. So. 
that's a good recommendation then. Yeah. Thanks very much. All right. Well, shall we crack on with the news? Let's crack on with the news. Cue the jingle. Hello. This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation. And here is what's been going on in the news. And never has that jingle been more apt than it is on this episode. What have you seen in the last couple of weeks in Scotland that has caught your eye? Anything exciting? Remember, there's an iron brew ban. Yeah, well, so I, I don't have any iron brew news for the first for the first time in I think maybe three episodes. I've got nothing to say about iron brew apart from the millions. Um, well, my first story this week comes from the Daily Record on the seventh of May, and the headline reads: Takeaway owner used pot lid and meat cleaver to fight off robber. So there's a photograph at the top of the article of a of an Asian chap who owns the Chinatown Chinese Takeaway in Linwood in Glasgow. His name's Derek Tang. On the picture, he's holding the pot lid up like a shield uh, in one hand, and he's got a meat cleaver in the other hand, and what can only be described as his war face posing for the camera. Um, he told of the moment that he confronted a robber that he believed was armed with a shotgun, and he pushed the weapon away as he fought him off. Derek Tang said he shoved what he thought was a gun out of the road before grabbing a knife and a curry pot lid. And he used the items to fend off Alan Fordyce, who allegedly robbed the China the Chinatown takeaway in Linwood. Tang, who's 44, made the claims on Wednesday afternoon while giving evidence at Paisley Sheriff Court. Fordyce denies assaulting Mr. Tang and robbing money from his takeaway with an imitation firearm made of two metal poles and a piece of wood that had been fashioned to look like a shotgun. Fordyce has lodged, he's lodged a special defence of incrimination, claiming the assault and robbery was actually committed by a man named Paul Macbeth, who has since sadly passed away and can't defend himself. And he also entered a special defence alibi, claiming it could not have been committed by him, as he was at home in Linwood at the time of the offence. But Tang identified him to police officers and in court as being the man he claims was responsible for the robbery, which took place at about quarter past 11pm on June the 6th of last year. Mr Tang explained, I heard a big bang at the door. I thought there must be something wrong outside. It was very unusual. I saw a guy with a big weapon standing at the takeaway door inside the kitchen. It looked like a gun. It had a double barrel and was wrapped around a poly bag. Seems metallic. I thought, if anything goes wrong, it's very serious. First of all, I shoved the double barrel away and at the very next moment he pulled out a knife. I moved backwards about a foot away from him. I quickly grabbed my chopper to defend myself and a curry pot lid to use to use as a shield to defend myself for my safety. He wanted money. He was saying, give me your money. I felt threatened. But at that point, he only wanted money. My wife was nearby in the kitchen and staff at the other side of the takeaway. I thought, there's nothing I can do if something goes wrong. It's quite... Life-threatening? The court heard he told police in the statement he gave at the time. I knew it wasn't a gun, as I could see it was poles, but he told the jury that it looked like a gun from a distance before he got up close to the robber, and he said he was quite scared during the incident, which saw him trying to get the man out as quickly as he could. He said he could guarantee it was not Macbeth who robbed his takeaway the night in question, and that he did not notice a tattoo on the robber's right hand. The court was earlier shown a picture of Macbeth, who had a yin and yang tattoo on his right hand, lying dead on the floor of his flat in Linwood, with the tattoo visible. Is that the only picture they could have used of this guy? (laughs) (laughs) 
as of him lying dead on his floor in his flat. Look at his tattoo. Anyway, Fordyce maintains his innocence. The trial before Sheriff Tom McCartney continues. So this guy has come in with a a shotgun that he's made off of Blue Peter. (laughs) So I don't know, Anthea Turner or Tim Vincent, whatever, has showed him how to make this shotgun after Tracy Island. Maybe. Our hero, I'm sorry, what was his name? Tim? Uh, No, Derek Yang. Derek, yeah. Derek Yang. So when he came in brandishing his Tracy Island shotgun, yeah. Derek didn't know it wasn't a shotgun. And it wasn't until he got up close and personal that he realised it was a broom handle. It wasn't until he grabbed his chopper and his curry pot mm. lid and approached the guy. He could see that... Uh, but he, he did think and, it could be quite serious. But by this point, the, the attacker had pulled out a knife, yeah? He must have realised that his uh, Blue Peter shotgun wasn't fooling anybody. So did Derek grab like a, I can imagine, I mean, we've got one in the kitchen, like a big cleaver. It's it's like, you know how when you watch like a John Woo movie or like a Kung Fu movie and there's a fight in the kitchen and somebody picks mm. up like a, like a butcher's cleaver. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's one of those. <laughs> you know, oh, I really hope that, um, that when his assailant kind of pulled out the knife, Derek kind of grabbed his cleaver and went, that's not a knife. This is a knife. I mean, if he didn't, it's a missed opportunity, right? Uh, hey, fair play. And that's amazing. To grab a pot lid and a cleaver and fend off your attacker. When you think they've got a shotgun, uh, fair play, Derek. You are our hero of the week. Absolutely, week. Yeah. That's incredible. Yep. That's brilliant. And to be able to fight them off, you know, you're protecting your business, you know, and good on him, man. That's amazing. I know I, I, know I asked before, but Alan Fordyce, who's the guy that's up in court for doing this, is claiming that it wasn't him because he was at home, right? It's about, you know, a good brief could probably knock some holes in that alibi. But it was this poor guy who has passed away called Paul Macbeth, who has got a, who had a tattoo of a yin and yang in the back of his hand. The only photograph that they could get to show the court... This tattoo was the picture of poor Paul lying dead on his floor in his flat. Well, that's crackers. If <laughs> uh, they at least blurred his face out. Well, there's no picture of Paul in the paper. They've at least spared him that indignity. But, I, you know, I don't know. what. It's just bizarre. I mean, why just, why, it was the only picture you've got of somebody is the guy lying dead. So, yeah, I'll put the picture of uh, Derek up on the website with a wee link to the story. He does look, they've got a picture of him looking quite bold and heroic. His sunglasses on his head, the wind has kind of caught his fringe a little bit and he's got his arms folded, looking like hard as fuck. And then the picture that I described earlier of him standing in front with his, uh, of his shop with his chopper out is a curry pot shield making his war face and uh, you can read it at your leisure. Well my first news story also has a a restaurant kind of takeaway slant so I think we've all been kind of in in lockdown and everyone's been ordering food because obviously haven't been able to go into restaurants. You know what it's like you see pictures of the food you're going to order and when it turns up especially when it's like a burger it never looks like it does in the picture. No. You're right, it definitely never does. So, this is from Edinburgh Live this week. Edinburgh Restaurant slams attention-seeking customer over burger picture. A restaurant in South Queensferry has called out a customer for attention-seeking after they shared an image of a burger they said looked nothing like it was advertised. Popular eatery, Down the Hatch, I think I've seen a few of their films, actually, was less than impressed after Joe Steele posted comparison pictures on Twitter captioned expectation 
versus reality. The disappointed customer posted an image taken from Down the Hatch's Instagram page showing their vibrant daily special, the Jerk Burger, next to what he actually received. The £15 order comes with buffalo fries and it's a burger filled with smoked pork shoulder, lettuce, onions, tomatoes, melted cheese and several dressings. But the comparison picture posted by Joe with his plain looking burger could be mistaken for a McDonald's bargain order. He attracted over 8,000 comments and likes on his page uh, with this post, with people saying that they would be raging. However, down the hatch fought back. They claimed that the customer was attention seeking and they responded to his post saying, hi Joe, it's quite obvious that you've taken items out of your burger or ordered them without items. We are 100% confident we would never send a special like that. Attention seeking, hey? I I love their comeback. That is brilliant. I love when companies fight back. Uh, The Twitter exchange attracted a lot of attention and almost 300 retweets where locals gave their opinion. Uh, Natasha Konsky said, I'd be raging. Uh, Stuart Fern replied, I spent £42 on two burgers, two portions of loaded fries and a milkshake. I can honestly say it was the shittest scran I've ever had. Some foodies weighed in with their opinion and supported the diner saying that the food that they've had has always been really good. Um, I've never been disappointed by their specials. What do you expect when you order it without all the toppings? Uh, Joe later added it was probably a mix-up, but he was not impressed with the restaurant's response, saying, I was the same until I got that order. It's probably just a case of mix-up, but someone else has tweeted me about this and tried to say I'm getting attention-seeking. Is hilarious. Ha ha ha. However, the reason I picked this story goes to uh, at Muzz1875, who is evidently a Hibs fan, and he replied to the post with, fucking hell, that's like ordering a mail-order bride, and you think you're getting Margot Robbie, whereas in reality, you get Margot with a bobby. <laughs> I've never ordered from down the hatch, but uh, <laughs> I mean, the burger looks amazing in the photos. The, the photo that Joe posted, it does look a pathetic burger. Like, it does look like a a burger he's just put in a sesame seed bun, but I can imagine he has taken stuff out or he's ordered stuff out without it. But uh, good on the restaurant for fighting back, though. I mean, you've worked, you work in restaurant industry, you know, in terms of social media or people slagging off orders, do you ever fight back? I don't, I mean, the company I work for is quite a big international company and probably couldn't probably wouldn't feel good about being cheeky to someone that was complaining but I mean people that like try to shame any kind of business online without with a complaint instead of going straight to the business and giving them a chance to resolve it are cunts really you know what I mean (laughs) what else to say I I do remember when I was a young manager and I worked in a restaurant in Glasgow and I got a phone call one Sunday morning from this guy and it was quite early, it was about 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, he was complaining that we'd given him food poisoning. So there's a, you know, in those days, and probably as, as now, there's a process to follow. So there's a little sort of kind of questionnaire that I need to fill out, questions to ask the guy on the phone. So I say, well, when, when were you in the restaurant? Oh, I was in last night with my girlfriend. So right, okay, what time did you come in? Uh, about 8 o'clock, right. What did you have to eat? He says, I had a, a New York sirloin steak with chips, tomato, and a fried mushroom. I said, how did you have your steak cooked? Oh, well done. <laughs> of course. Like, it was a shipping question. I said, do you have anything else? He said, I, me and the bird shared a Sunday afterwards. I was like, right, okay. I said, do you have anything to drink? And he said, well, there wasn't a table ready when we arrived. So we had to wait in the bar for 40 minutes. So I had a couple of pints when I was waiting. And then at the table, I had another pint. And then me and her shared a bottle of red wine. 
I was like, right, okay. I said, what did you do after the restaurant? Did you go to the cinema? Because we're beside the cinema. He says, no, no. We were up the tune. We had a night out up the tune. He said, did you have anything to drink? He says, well, I, I was, I was up and out the tune. I was out in the tune. So I said, well, what are your, tell me your symptoms again. And he said, um, <laughs> he said, I've had a pure, I've had a pure upset stomach all morning. Can't get off the toilet. I said, do you think maybe you're, maybe you just had too much to drink yesterday? No. No, man, that was a that was a light night for me, by the way. <laughs> so, right, well, I'm going to send this form off to our health and safety department and somebody will be in touch. <laughs> Fucking clown. On the subject of food, so I popped a wee picture on Instagram the other day that I found on Facebook of a, of a, a pie, like a kind of mutton pie supper pie in a roll yeah well, how, how did you feel about that I mean obviously you're vegetarian that's now a, but that's a fucking abomination I love a scotch pie like genuinely that was one of the things I missed the most and when I found in park and shop in Dubai they sold scotch pies my freezer always had boxes of scotch pies in them and when I went to Pataudry every week genuinely I'd have three pies at the football I fucking love pies when I took my wife to the football for the first time and um, it was near and half time and she said I, I said we need to go and get a pie will you go and get them she said okay she said, what do you want I was like three pies please said, what three I said yeah three pies <laughs> I can safely say I've never put a pie in a roll that just, it's just, what, I know it's a, is it not like a Glasgow kind of thing? I think it is. I, I have seen it, but I, I I could never fathom putting a pie in a roll. No, it's a bit, it is weird. But I mean, I'm saying it's weird, but I'm imagining a, a good sort of Glasgow roll with hundreds of butter on it and a hot pie making the butter melt, salty butter all over the pie. And I'm thinking, might be all right. I mean, the photo you shared didn't have any sauce on the pie. Do you not put sauce on it? Well, I think you would have to. I think it would be it would be a bit dry to have a a rolling pie, even if you had hundreds of butter on it. I think it would be, you need some need like maybe some HP on there. I'm not, I don't know if ketchup goes very well with a scotch pie. I don't really like ketchup, so I've not been in a position. To I have ketchup it. and a scotch pie. Oh, do you? I, ne- yeah. I never really like ketchup, but maybe some HP on there, you know, that'd be nice. So tell me, why did you, why did you need three pints, of, uh, three pies at the football? Because two to eat and one to throw at the opposition fans? Or? No, I, 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 mind you, I did once throw a pie at Neil <laughs> Lennon, actually. Um, it didn't hit him, but it just missed him. I was quite surprised I didn't get thrown out for that, actually. But no, 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 you wouldn't throw a pie normally, waste it. I mean, I, I think they scored just after half time, right. and Lennon came up right in front of where I was sitting, and I just fucking launched half my pie at him. I couldn't help it. Involuntary reaction. Don't do that, kids. It's it's not nice. I'm, uh, I'm sure he said worse than three up. pies. What's wrong with that? Well, one pie is not enough. Two yeah. is satisfying, but then you're still kind of like, okay, go on in our pie. Plus, generally, if I've been at the football, I've been in the pub beforehand. I've had probably five, six pints. Quite often than not, I had to go to work at six o'clock um, when I was working in bars. <laughs> I needed three pies to soak up the booze so I could go and do my night shift. I do miss... A pie from an Aberdeen bakery. I do miss it. I used to like getting a cut. Actually, I'm saying eat, eating three pies. I would, I would, if I was walking, I lived up at the top of uh, George Street on Elm Bank Terrace. If I was walking home, I would always stop at the bakery and I, I would always buy two steak scotch pies. So not with the mutton in mm-hmm. it, but with like steak, like steak pie filling in it, like really thick gravy. That's not a scotch pie. No. It's a steak pie. Yeah, I know, but but you wouldn't get that in a pie shop in Glasgow. So it, it, would, look, it, would, it would look different. I'd buy two steak pies and I would buy one or two chocolate cornflake or Rice Krispie cakes and a bottle of Iron Brew for the morning, like without fail. And the thing was, that all that would cost me about 
£3.50 back, oh. back in the days. Do you know what I mean? £3.50. Those were the days. Yeah. You could get a bottle of poppers and round it up to a fiver. <laughs> a, bottle, a bottle of record cleaner and a jazz mag from Hutchins Street. It was too much of a it was too much of a diversion to walk away up to that shop of George Street up to that shop and back again. If it had been closer to George Street, I'd be right up there. Well, my, speaking of Aberdeen, uh, my next story comes from the Press and Journal. So, are you familiar? with the dating show Naked Attraction. I am, yes. We have watched that a couple of times. Um, it's it's good entertainment. So yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it and familiar with it. I, I haven't seen it, but for anybody, maybe like Strong Henry, uh, one of our Instagram loyal guys who lives in Canada who's not seen it, basically, a girl, well, in this instance, a girl will choose from a selection of men. She kind of rounds them down, so they show, they're naked behind the screen, and they show a naked part of their body uh, usually they're cocks, and she, without <laughs> seeing their face, she whittles down to the last one. But then, so the guy isn't doesn't have all the humiliation to himself, then the girl has to strip off to the the guy she's picked. I mean, it's a it's a long, long way from Silver Black, which doesn't seem that long ago to me, to be honest. I, I imagine blind date, but without the stupid questions, just guys getting their cocks out on on Channel Four. So, an Aberdeen waitress has featured in an episode of dating show Naked Attraction, where suitors strip off in their quest for companionship, only for her to be stood up at the reunion. <gasps> oh no. So, so she was tasked with whittling down a group of six potential admirers based solely on the power of naked attraction, clever name. Kerry appeared on the Channel 4 programme alongside journalist and TV presenter Anna Richardson to try and pick up her perfect match. After She's only recently moved to Aberdeen and apparently she suffered a series of poor dates. She, has called, she called upon the experts at the game show... To help her find her soulmate. I mean, I don't think the people that organise this quiz show are experts in helping people find love. Expert on on ratings, perhaps. Speaking on the television show, the 30-year-old said, I've never lived in Aberdeen before, so I don't know where to meet men. To be fair, the city centre was pretty quiet on the Friday night the last time we were there, so she might might have a point. Well, I mean, everything's been shut down recently, but if she should try the pie shop (laughs) on Hutchin Street. That's a good place to meet men. Especially if they're buying poppers. <laughs> or a porn bag. She says, I'm the new girl in the big city and I haven't been able to find anybody yet. I just moved to a new city so my dating game is a little rusty. Kerry then had to look on and judge each of the naked hopefuls. Stood in their individual pods, each round of the game show revealed another body part and another elimination. Eventually eliminating the six-man lineup down to one lucky man before getting her kit off herself. Looking for a man who could keep up with her adventurous lifestyle. And she's so adventurous she moved to Aberdeen, fuck's sake. She paired up with 23-year-old demolition worker Daniel. After a negative COVID test, so I'm sure everybody that's listening to this was worried about that, the duo then went on their first date where the flames of romance seemed to fan into a blaze, and the pair shared a kiss before parting ways. However, two weeks later, when the pair were scheduled to meet up again on screen, Daniel had reported they dodged calls from bosses of the TV show and didn't return. Keeping her cool and brushing it off is just one of those things, she added. I took an eight-hour journey to get here from Aberdeen. Doesn't sound like like she's uh, brushing it off. He could have had the decency to at least show up 
While she seemingly didn't find love in tonight's episode of Naked Attraction, the experience seemed to do little to dampen the new Aberdonian spirit, so good for her. However, a cautionary note for anybody who didn't watch this episode of Naked Attraction who's thinking, oh, I might check that out, thank with a glowing review from the culture swally. The episode also features Naked Attraction's oldest ever picker, 75-year-old nat- uh, naturist Ian from North Yorkshire, who is on the lookout for his perfect partner. Unless you're into naked old men, you might want to give that episode of Naked Attraction a swerve. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never, you know, I've, al- I've always had a fairly unremarkable but serviceable body. Do you know what I mean? I've managed to snag a wife and have two children. But honestly, like, getting my cock out on television, it's just, a, it's just my worst nightmare. It's no way. <laughs> Not for... I don't care how desperate to meet somebody I was, there are easier ways. And I don't think anybody's getting, mm. anybody's getting paid to go on TV and get and get their cocks out. No, you know? I, mean, I thought so. Yeah, I mean, if only, if only we'd known about her situation a few months ago, a good friend of ours came back in the market just before Christmas. We could have paired them off. Too late now, because he's obviously moved on. Um, but yeah, our timing wasn't good enough. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. What's your next story? I've got two, but I'm going to... A very quick one, because it, it doesn't really have a, a huge story, but it's about uh, last time on the Swally, we covered a gentleman in Glasgow who was selling a toilet as a barbecue. And th- this week we have a Glasgow joker who has tried to punt an office chair base as a drone bought from the Barras. So you're familiar with obviously the base of an office chair with the wheels and the swiveling base. So yeah, he's put it on the Facebook market page saying that it's for sale for £20 uh, because it's got no remote control and no instructions and he bought it at the Barras. So if anyone wants to buy it, then he'll happily get rid of it. The newspaper have said, like, if this is true, the poor guy really has been stung. Anyway, if you fancy a new base for your office chair whilst you're working from home, you can always pick one up from the Bears Den, Mongave area. That was just a little quick story there for that. But uh, the next story I have is very much Aberdeen-based as well. Now, are you familiar, Greg? Obviously, you used to live in Aberdeen. So you'll know that British home stores shut down quite some time ago and you'll be familiar with the the Aberdeen indoor market that was kind of underneath British home stores yeah 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 I remember it well so if you take the market into consideration you have like a massive three level building there Mm -hmm. so you could have a a big thing there are plans afoot to turn that into a complex it's going to have it's basically going to be like a big a big like sort of amusement area that's the the current plans um it's going to be called boom battle bar and they have pitched to turn it into mini golf curling shuffleboard pool table tennis marble tables smart darts and just what you need in the city centre of Aberdeen an axe throwing bar (laughs) these plans are that they're going to turn this into uh, a massive kind of amusement park and they're going to have axe throwing lanes is that the best idea to have in the city centre of Aberdeen I mean I'm with you I don't think that alcohol and axe throwing are a particularly good combination anywhere anywhere in the world but I think that axe throwing has become quite a sort of vogue uh, activity for the sort of rugged Jason Momoa types around town so uh, I feel like it'll probably do quite well oh yeah because I, I, there's loads of Jason Momoa types rocking around Aberdeen aren't there do you remember that guy Jason Scotland that used to bounce at Punanaz that was in Gladiator in the background well one of Russell Crowe's crew he was a bit of a oh I do yes yeah. yes um, do you want me to cut that out <laughs> 
<laughs> nah, it's fine. He was a total wanker, as I recall. Um, the uh, no, I think it is quite vogue. But the only thing is with these things, they kind of they become a bit of a they're, they're not going to sort of endure like other more like ten pin bowling or whatever. It's the sort of thing you go. It's like escape rooms. You know what I mean? That they're quite popular at the moment. Oh, we're going to do the escape room as a you know as a kind of team building thing. But I don't think that it's got legs. And you know some of the axe throwers may be losing a limb or two as well. Too many cans of Brewdog before they start hurling axes at boards. Yeah, I think it takes one incident and then. That's it, shut down. I'm sure it'll be carefully controlled. So what, what do you think they would do? Do you think they would um you would they would give you like a big sort of gauntlet for your throwing arm in case you know, in, in case there's an accident, you know, like some sort of like thick leather in case like the axe kinda slips back or something like that? What do you think? Yeah, possibly. I think it it would have to be very well controlled. So yeah, I'd imagine they maybe do give you some sort of gauntlet that you use. But yeah, I mean it has to be obviously very well covered because we've seen clips on Facebook and stuff of these axe throwing things that people launch it into the board and then it ricochets out and mm. kind of spins back. You have to be extremely careful and I can't see that going down well in Aberdeen, but who knows? Maybe it'll be a huge success and Aberdeen in five years time on the Swally, we will, will be celebrating the Aberdeen axe throwing champion of the world. Maybe. Perhaps it could maybe there'll be like a, a, a local league. These big farmers, yeah. big farmers coming in from like old Meldrum and out towards Peterhead and all that. These fucking big massive guys <laughs> practicing throwing axes at their barns. I mean, I, I mean, one of the worst yet um, funniest things I ever saw happen to a drunk guy in Aberdeen was I was working, and the reason I remembered this is because I was thinking when you were describing that place, where I can't imagine the Cadonas are going to be too thrilled about a sort of leisure amusement centre opening in the city centre when they've got their little empire down at the beach. But when I, I, when I, when I worked for them for a little while, uh, they'd opened this Miami beach. You might remember it, like a sort of mm. restaurant complex. And we had a revolving yep. door. And one night, it was Christmas, so coming up for Christmas, kind of Christmas party, and, and um, these two guys were spinning the door as quickly as they could. And this guy was going to jump in at the last minute and then jump out again. And unfortunately, Unfortunately, he slipped and fell on his arse, and the door slammed on his leg. But it slammed. It didn't. I did. I think it did break his leg, but it slammed so hard that it took like two about like two bouncers. I don't know where the bouncers were when this was going on. So it was right next to where they stand to like haul the door so they could get his leg out. And uh, I remember the next a couple of days later, I got a I got a phone call from a journalist at the Evening Express. Because the guy had complained in the paper that it was her fault. And um, she called up looking for a comment. And we'd all been told, if anybody calls from like the P&J or the Evening Express or any paper, just say that you're not authorised to talk about it. So, you know, not wanting to get fired, I said exactly that. I said, I said look, I, I said, I'm not allowed to talk about it. You have to get in touch with somebody more senior. And the girl said, look, I understand, it's fair enough. She said, but just between you and me, she said, we, we were in there for our Christmas night out. And we saw everything that mm. happened. We saw exactly what happened. I was like, all right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, do you have any you have any more stories? Uh, no, that's me for today. Uh, what about yourself? Anything else? No, I did have one about Glasgow Science Centre, but I just looked at the date and it's from 2018. So it's not it's, it's not current news. So I'll just, I'll leave it. Okay. I'll leave it. Okay. Well, I guess that rounds up the news for this week. Shall we have a little delve into a review? I think we should. And it's it's a swally first, because rather than you and I choosing this week's topic, we've had a suggestion. 
from a listener. It is. We had a request from a listener, from a Mr. Rick Steen in Aberdeen. And I had a little chat with Rick earlier this week. And this is why he picked what he's picked. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the Swally. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm very happy to be here. Good. Well, thank you very much. We uh, we got your email and with your request for what we're going to be talking about this week. And I just wanted to, to catch up with you and really ask why you have chosen this. Um, what makes this so important to you that you, you wanted us to, to cover it on the Swally? Well, reason being is that I, although I was born in Scotland, I lived and brought up in Germany. And I moved to Scotland when I was 12 years old. And this was kind of my first introduction to Scottish. <laughs> uh, I'd never seen anything like it before. Being brought up on an Air Force base, I was the most sophisticated humour I'd ever seen was hello, hello. So seeing Rasby Nesbitt or seeing Isla or any of those ones or the, the Hamlet man, I'm used to call him, or anyone else, this just kind of blew my mind, really. Watching it back, it's been years since I've seen this. And I mean, Greg and I will cover it, but I'm quite surprised that the level of some of the humour is quite, it's very political in a way for, I mean, I guess it's 86. So huh? it's uh, its quite surprising in terms of, you know, they're not afraid of having a dig at the Tories and, and Thatcher and Reagan. So I guess that didn't appeal yeah, to absolutely. you as a, a youngster. You were more about the baldy man and Rabsy Nesbitt. Oh, exactly. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Most of it went over my head. I'm gonna, I mean, there's an end credits with Margaret Thatcher lowering like a lion at the end, like the MGM credits, which I thought was hilarious. I just thought it was so wifey. Rolling along, but I had no idea about the politics. The, uh, one of my favourite ones, and what I remember so vividly when I got there, was I think it's from the first series, and it was called Is Scotland Crap? And it was brilliant. And the reason why it, it rang with me is because there was this one guy in the crowd who was your talking Scottish, kind of like, you know, ah, English bastards, get out, or whatever type of thing. And I landed in Scotland with a very strong English accent because I was brought up on an air force base where basically everyone was walking around going, Hello, have you seen my speedfire? Uh, and so I was taught to speak like that. And so it was kind of strange, the kind of laughing at this Scottish humour, trying to mix with my mates who were Scottish as well. The, 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 like you said, most of it went over my head, but the, there were some real laugh-out-loud things. Like the the, the baldy-haired man, I don't know what his real name is. What is the baldy-haired real name? The guy's real name? The baldy man. Is he just called the baldy man? Yes. So it's not, it's not a clever title? No. No. Okay. okay. So the baldy man was always my favourite. I thought he was playing that and Shadwell. And I always used to go to school the next day and do a shotgun. And uh, he was my, he's my favourite guy, absolutely 100%. Fantastic. Well, I hope that we can do it justice for you. Excellent. Well, carry on the good work, guys. I love the podcast and uh, I will speak to you later on. Thank you very much, Rick. Thank you. So this week on The Swally, we are going to be talking about Naked Video. Naked Video is a BBC Scotland sketch show that aired on BBC Two from May 1986 through to November 1991. It was the third sketch show overseen by Colin Gilbert following A Kick Up the 80s and Laugh, I Nearly Paid My Licence Fee. Uh, Naked Video was developed from the BBC Radio Scotland series, Naked Radio. Using the main core cast of the radio show of Roy Bain, Tony Roper, Gregor Fisher, Jonathan Watson, Andy Gray and Elaine C. Smith, they added two Welsh comedians, Helen Lederer and Jonathan Sparks. Uh, Naked Video was a fast-paced mix of sketches and comedy monologues and the show brought us such memorable characters as Rabsy Nesbitt, The Baldy Man, Shadwell and 
uh, Ledderer's drunk Sloan character. So I think Naked Video is a bit of a kind of Scottish institution, Greg. And I'll be honest, I have not watched it in years. And I'll, I'll come back to my kind of memories of it. But what about yourself? What are your early memories of Naked Video? Well, we reviewed the first series um, for this episode, which you mentioned came out in 1986. I didn't see mm. Naked Video until... I think I would have been probably around 11, maybe. Um, and I used to watch it with my dad and my stepmother. Uh, my stepmother claims some sort of uh, connection to Elaine C. Smith. It's never been proven nor disproven. I don't know if she worked <laughs> with somebody who knew her or something like that. But uh, but I remember watching it with them uh, when I was about 11, maybe 12, and laughing a lot uh, a lot of the sketches. Uh, like really, really laughing, and I remember. Obviously, you mentioned Rabsy Nesbitt being one of the characters. You know, like he's not in this first series that much, but I remember in the later series, I think he was in. He was in every episode at least once, and then obviously realizing that he was very much the star of the show, he gets a spin-off into his own TV show. But I got to be honest, I was really looking forward to watching this. Because I've not, like you, I've not seen Naked Video for well over 20 years since I ever watched it. So I was looking forward to having a right good laugh. And I didn't laugh all that much, if I'm honest. There were some bits that were genuinely funny. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it could be a bit of a swally first in that we're not, like, brimming over with enthusiasm for it. I think, mm. I, you know, when we were talking about when you and I were messaging each other and we were watching it, I did say I think that it maybe get into the groove a bit um, in the later seasons. I'll have to maybe visit some of those later seasons and see if that is the case or if it's just I'm looking at it through rose-tinted glasses. Um, but, I mean, you know, there, there was a lot of clever, funny sketches in there, to be fair, but I just I didn't I just didn't laugh as much as I really thought I would. I really expected to be really chuckling away. Well, what are your memories of um, Naked Video? I remember Naked Video being on, but again, I mean, when the first series went out, I would have been five years old, I think. So I, I don't remember. And watching this back, uh, as you say, we, we've just kind of reviewed the first series. I don't really remember any of this that I was watching. If you'd asked me to pick a few Naked Video sketches that I remembered, yeah, I guess they are from probably the later series that I remember. Yeah, I remember it being on. I remember speaking about it at school. Um, I think one of my first memories is of one of my... It was my neighbour, two doors down. Ironically, considering Jonathan Watson and Elaine C. Smith are in Naked Video. And I remember going round to their house with my mum and uh, Ronnie and Moira. And we'd obviously went round there for an evening... I don't know, to catch up on local neighbourhood gossip or something. My mum had obviously gone round to see them for some reason. And I remember Ronnie giving me uh, a VHS of, it was like Aberdeen 100 Greatest Goals or something. So this must have been like 91, 92, I think. So I would have been like 10, 11 years old. And I remember being so delighted with this because I was, ah, he only gave it me for a loan. Yeah, he, he didn't give it to me. It was just a, you know, I'll watch this. And I remember being so delighted because I was such a big Aberdeen fan, you know, and I still am to be a kid and like, oh, great. And I think maybe we just got our first kind of VHS player or something. And, you know, I was so excited to be able to go and watch this. And I remember him saying to my mum, uh, oh, well, the only other tape I've got that I could give him is Naked Video. <laughs> and my mum kind of this horrified look at her face like, oh, he's too young for that. I think she thought maybe it was a porno. <laughs> and she maybe thought that maybe Ronnie and Moira were trying to sort of 
ingratiate me into their local swingers club or something by <laughs> giving me like a home sex tape. I'm not sure. <laughs> Obviously, I knew what it was at the time, but didn't say. But um, I remember watching it, yeah, when I was young and thinking it was funny. As I say, a lot of the sketches I remember must be from later series. I agree with you. Watching it back this time, the first series, I was really looking forward to it. And I was a little bit disappointed. I think it started off so strongly. Um, I would say the first... I mean, the first episode has 25 sketches in total. And I would say the first five sketches are very funny. You have the the nine o'clock news kind of CFAX pages yeah. with the sexual positions coming up and it's kind of a tease. That that's funny. Yeah. And then you're into the the news, which is obviously a mainstay of every episode that they have this news section. I think that later gets replaced, I think it's in series three, that gets replaced with uh, Gregor Fisher doing the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting News Corporation, which is what, of course, we use for the news section of The Swelling. Uh, That was quite funny. The first episode, I found that very funny because it was about the rapists getting tough and the the guy on the the slide getting his balls caught. And then it was about test tube babies and one of them was a chimpanzee. And then it was about the editor of The Sun and it was a gorilla thumbing through a newspaper. That was funny. And then you go into the blind surprise with Elaine C. Smith as Cilla Black. Yeah. And that had a good punchline in terms of you find out Sharon and Paul are brother and sister. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was, um, and I think that's a, that's one thing I find with this series. You had that, so there's a lot of impressions in this series. And then the next sketch is Tony Roper in the the Volkswagen ad. This is the man. Yeah. And it's the, the Sinclair C5. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a very much a mainstay of this series is advert ripoffs and Sinclair C5 jokes, which obviously <laughs> were hilarious in 1986. Yeah. And then you're into Rabsy Nesbitt with his first kind of rant about the Tory government. And from then on, it was all downhill for me. Yeah, it's like the law, the law of diminishing returns after that, wasn't it? Yeah, started off so strongly and then it just goes downhill. But yeah, I mean, to talk about the, uh, I say impressions. In this first series, we have impressions of Julia Somerville, John Humphreys, Cilla Black, Sam Fox, Alad Jones, Desmond Wilcox, Mark McManus, Dempsey and Makepeace, Clint Eastwood, Rambo, Sean Connery, Noel Edmonds, and Colonel Sanders. That's quite a lot of impressions to cram into six series. And the advert rip-offs are, the list is just as long, which I can come to. But, you know, it's My Little Pony, Trivial Pursuit, Mr. Kipling, Andrex, After Eight, Compact Discs, South African Nuts, and Castrol GTX. Levi Jeans. Was that the, oh, and Levi Jeans. How did I miss that off the list? Of course, yeah, Levi Jeans. Those advert spoofs, I think probably at the time, were probably quite slick, you know what I mean? Because there are some of those adverts that they're spoofing that I can remember because some of them are classic. Like that one you mentioned, mm. the Volkswagen guy, you know, this is a guy who bought who mm. bet on black and it came up red and all that sort of stuff, the sex kitten and everything. That's quite a classic advert. I can remember that advert being on when I was wee. Mm. And the After Eights advert, where who, I wonder who's going to have the last After Eight. I remember that being on as well. Um, I vaguely remember the Levi Soviet Russia communist bloc advert. I did chuckle at that one when he, he gets his contraband Levi's and they don't fit. So, you know, I, I don't, I, they don't always land. But on the impressions part of it, I don't know how you feel about this, but people who I'm, that I'm very familiar with, like actors, for example, or impressionists or whatever, who, so I know they're Scottish and I've heard their proper voices. When they do, like, accents... And they, they can they can be doing quite a good job of it. 
And I thought Elaine C. Smith did a decent Silla Black, if I'm being honest. I yeah. thought it was a pretty good appropriation. Yeah. For some reason, it just makes me a wee bit uncomfortable, like a bit embarrassed. It, like it's my mum that's trying to do a funny voice or my dad or something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm just a bit kind of, oh. Hello, Chokes and Silla here. Oh, we are a lovely audience tonight, oh, yeah. Like Tony Roper kidding on that he's English or, or Gregor Fisher doing like a silly English voice for. And I, and I thought, well, why do these sketches. Like, it, it doesn't feel like in a lot of these sketches that being English is essential to the comedy of the sketch. It could just it could be just as funny, maybe even funnier if they were just if they just played it Scottish. Because I would like from that whole kind of first season. There's apart from the Rab C parts, which as I've mentioned, there aren't very many. There's not really a lot of um, Scottish sketches. You know what I mean? No. There's not, and that was what surprised me about watching it. I and I did make notes of like, there's a lot of English humor in this mm. and English sketches, and even in the first episode. In fact, that is where it goes downhill for me. Like I say, in the first episode, after the Rapsy Nesbit sketch, the next sketch is the Liverpool, a job free zone. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, why are you making fun out of Liverpool? I guess I don't know, but then it. Okay, there is stuff there about the Orange March, but then, of course, you have Shadwell, the Welsh part, because I guess they say two of the cast were Welsh. I I can only presume it's because it was going out on BBC Two, which was then a national kind of channel. So you didn't have like BBC Two Scotland, whereas you would have had BBC One Scotland. So it was going out nationally, so they had to make kind of English and Welsh jokes but I, I was surprised at how little of it was Scottish humour mm. I mean it kind of put me off when I saw them seeing Andy Gray and Elaine C. Smith putting on full English accents mm. it left me a little bit cold No I, I, I agree I mean what, what it feels like to me is and I'm kind of too young to remember it when it was on the television but I have seen bits and bobs of it over the years like quite a lot of bits and bobs of it is uh, not the 9 o'clock news with like Ron Atkinson and Smith and Jones and Pamela Stevenson and those guys mm. and that's kind of it's all written by the Black Adder guys and stuff and it's quite to- yeah. quite topical humour and it kind of feels like they're I mean I, I feel like Not the 9 O'Clock News was well and truly finished by the time Naked Video was broadcast and it felt like they were trying to do a kind of new Not the 9 O'Clock News do you know what I mean um, and to your point they're trying to market it to the whole country and not just Scotland. Well, yeah, I think it was finished because I think when this went out um, on BBC Two, it was up against Black Adder, which was on BBC One. Oh wow! Yeah. So nine, not the nine o'clock news is well and truly finished. Black Adder was in full effect, and yeah, this is what it was up against. So I think I read something with Jonathan Watson saying, "Yeah, we just got buried in the ratings because we were up against Black Adder." Not the nine o'clock news ran from nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty two, so it was mm. well and truly finished by the time this came on. But some of the humour I was quite surprised by. Uh, just I you know there's in the Ramsey Nesbitt's first appearance, he compares the Holocaust to. Oh, he says that the Holocaust was a skive compared to compared to this, and I'm thinking, you can't you can't be saying they can't be like making jokes about the Holocaust. I mean, and I, 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 you mean you can talk about your thirties, your thirties, eh? Great Salem, Salem through the thirties. Ah, TV, ah, ah, ringworm. <laughs> and I, I saw the jazz singer four times. I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, 
I mean, you can talk about your Holocaust. Yeah, that's fair enough, your Holocaust. But Chris, that was a that was a sky compared to this. That was a doodle compared to this. I know this is like 30, 35 years ago. But I'd have thought, you know, especially when there would still be quite a lot of people who may have survived the Holocaust alive at the time. Not that making jokes about it when they're all dead is any better either, but I was surprised. And then the, the sketch where they're, where Gregor Fisher and um, Roy Bain, Ron Bain, rather, are trying to come up with a sitcom set in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. Oh. And I, I think one of Gregor Fisher's suggestions for a title is I Ain't Half Thin Mum or something like that. And I'm just thinking, but there'll be people in the UK that will, that may have survived Japanese prisoner of war camps that might see this, you know? I believe, and th- th- this obviously doesn't reflect the opinions of the Swally, but yeah. his three suggestions are, are you being starved? I ain't half thing, mum. And I did laugh at, I'll be honest, Heidi Hi Hiroshima. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, he does. That is a one of the two, I think, sketches that I'm like, you cannot get away with that nowadays. And the crowd, the audience, do audibly groan because he does say something that I'm not going to repeat on this, but he says it, and the audience groan after he says it, and it is kind of a racial comment. Uh-huh. So I, I, I was glad to see that the audience kind of was like, "Oh, that's a bit rough." Yeah. I was quite surprised how political it was, but I suppose in 86, that was the thing to do. But it was very much, you know, anti-Tory, anti-Thatcher, anti-Reagan. You know, yeah. it was very much nuclear war focused as well. I think that was the Vogue thing, because I mean, because obviously you had Spit and Image at the time, which was, I think, mm. Spit and Image were probably at its sort of height at that point, is the height of its popularity. Not that 8 o'clock news was quite political as well but maybe in a kind of maybe in a sort of cleverer way you know what I mean and I think you just with Thatcher she was she obviously quite a, you know quite a, an easy big target that you could get a lot of mileage out for satire and comedy writers in the 1980s because you know a big kind of personality female prime minister enemy of most people it felt like you know what I mean unless you were wealthy or in a certain class in the UK so yeah there probably miles and miles of comedy you could get out of uh Thatcher, back then. Thatcher, of course, they end every episode, apart from the one where they really heavily go at nuclear war. I think it's episode three. Mm. They have Reagan doing the roar at the end, but every episode ends with Thatcher giving a big kind of roar in the MGM logo, which, yeah, I'd forgotten about, but as soon as I saw it, I remembered, and I did burst out laughing, I have to admit. I think they replaced, when she got voted out, I think they replaced her with uh, John Major. And later oh, did they? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, they did something similar. They don't shy away from touching on issues of the era, and I think that's summed up as well. In that's another thing. As long as a lot of impressions and a lot of kind of advert parodies, there's a there's a song. I think in every episode. Yeah. And in episode one, you have Elaine C. Smith evidently as Sam Fox singing about being page three, and I think the the particular line I like is like spread out like a haddock. Now, Elaine C. Smith, she's not a bad singer in terms of the songs that she sings. She's she's all right. I was going to say the only thing positive I could find to say about the songs were the fact that Elaine C. Smith is a good singer, and I don't and I don't know I don't know if she's done any kind of musical stuff in her career. You know, obviously we know her 
from most recently two doors down, playing Mary Mary Doll and Ramsey Nesbitt and other small parts here and there. But she's she's a good singer. She's a really good singer. Yeah, yeah, really good. I mean, she sings. I think most of the songs, yeah. um, apart from maybe the last one where they have like a group kind of band aid yeah. style song. But yeah, she, she's brilliant. Um, so, well, if we talk about the the kind of characters that that came out from it, so I, I mean, obviously, Rabsy Nesbit is the first one, which I'm pretty certain we'll cover. Rab, yeah, in a, a future episode, so we can kind of maybe skim over a little bit. But he's only in three sketches in the first series, and I kind of feel that he almost builds momentum. Like the first one is like a rant in the street. The second one, in my opinion, is fantastic when he's Andy Gray in the the Dole office <laughs> and the benefits office, and he's not getting the money, and that's uh, I think brilliant. And then of course the last one is when Mary Doll comes in, although she was in a sketch before, but you were like, I did note down, I'm like. Is this Mary Doll? And and then of course she comes in with Rab later. But yeah. I guess this is the first kind of footings of, of Rab C. Nesbit. She's good in that sketch that last sketch that she appears in. I found that one quite funny because by the time I got to mm. e- by, by the time I got to episode six of this, I was thinking, you know, I mean, I, I think probably I was trying too hard to enjoy it at this point because you always feel, you know, you know, when you watch something Scottish, like kind of River City is a is a good example. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that River City is bad, but it's a soap. It's a soap opera. So a soap opera immediately invites itself to criticism and I mean you know, I don't watch mm. and I don't watch soap operas right you know, I used to watch Neighbours when I was a kid because everybody did but that's it you know so River City isn't it's not something I would watch and I have watched it but I've always found it hard to criticise it because it, it it's almost like your wee brother's performing in the school play and you know you know deep down in your heart that he's not very good but you have to kind of say how good he is because he's your wee brother. Do you know what I mean? Even even though you know and everybody else knows that it's not great. And I felt a wee bit like this. I felt a bit like this with uh, Sunshine and Leith, but I felt more comfortable criticising Sunshine and Leith because although it's set in Scotland, there's, you know, like, there's English people in it. It's not like it's a Scottish production all by itself. You know what I mean? It's uh, you've got Film 4 in there or whoever, the BFI. It's difficult to criticise um, Naked Video even though I know that it deserves a bit of criticism because there are a lot of it that's not very good but that sketch, that last sketch with Ramsey Nesbitt and Elaine C. Smith is made all I found really really funny when he's uh, he feels like he's achieved something because he's been diagnosed as a psychopath and she's she's all <laughs> pleased for him as well and then she then she sticks the heat she sticks the heat on the doctor <laughs> I think to divert away, we'll come back to the the mainstay characters then. We've spoken about Rab. We'll come back to the baldy man next, I think. But to touch upon your point about speaking about the actors, you can't take anything away from them. No. They are giving it their all, and they are phenomenal. I had a really hard time picking in terms of the Sean Connery Award of who won this series. Yeah. I, mean, I did have an eventual winner, but I could have given it to four or five. I mean, uh, Fisher's amazing. Uh, Andy Gray almost pains me. Like, I mean, Andy Gray, because obviously we covered him in City Lights, and he must have been doing City Lights at the same time as this. Yeah. Now, Andy Gray dearly missed, and he did have a great career in terms of a great theatre career and stuff. How did he not go on to do bigger things? He is phenomenal in this, in terms of the way he's acting. Some of his performances in the sketches, he's brilliant. Mm. How how did he not go on to have a 
a bigger career than he did. I found myself wanting to see more of him because it feels like he's not in it as much as mm. a lot of the other players. I mean, you're right, he, he does do the news thing with Helen, Helen Lederer every episode. But, you know, like, Ron Bain seems to be in quite a large percentage of all the sketches. Mm. Gregor Fisher certainly is in a lot. Elaine C. Smith, yeah. Helen, and Jonathan Watson, and Helen Lederer. The Welsh boy, John Sparks... I mean, he's Shadwell, which is in every episode. You don't see as mm. you don't see as much of him in the kind of one-off sketches. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, at the last one or two episodes, I think you do see a bit more of him than just him doing Shadwell. But I really wanted to see more Andy Gray because yeah. I, I'm like you, like you know, he's he, he he reminds me of guys that I remember kind of growing up when I was a kid. Just like your dad's pals that you or your mum's kind of male pals that you just want to kind of you look forward to when he comes round to to visit and you know what I mean he's that big disarming smile and effortlessly funny and not like uh, not too shy or proud to kind of act the goat you know what I mean and be silly and everything and get a laugh Uh, I really I really would have liked to have seen more of Andy Gray in the first in this first series you've just put that perfectly and I can't think of a better description of Andy Gray yeah. as you've said he's just like your dad's pal or you know your favourite uncle yeah, that comes yeah. around and just makes you laugh and he's fantastic and I mean I don't know I, I don't want to spoil anything in terms of what we're going to be talking about in terms of favourite sketches and stuff but his turn as Sean Connery <laughs> yeah. is fantastic brilliant and he's so funny in that sketch yeah he is really funny <laughs> with Helen Lederer as the the sort of Bond girl temptress who doesn't have a suggestive name. I mean, to be fair, there are a few things said in that sketch that probably wouldn't fly nowadays. <laughs> no, he's really good. As I say, there just there just wasn't enough of him for me. Like the sketch where this the sketch where they were in the bar and they're all pretending to be chickens in the bar and acting like. <laughs> And then he comes in as the big as a big cock rooster, yeah. <laughs> picking up the women. And <laughs> when that sketch started, I thought this is a bit silly. You know what I mean? What are they doing? This, how you know, like you know, how are you going to stretch this out? And then he comes in. He's got the kind of big quiff, <laughs> you know. And he and he is he is. I think he was a quite a big tall fella, right? He was definitely over six foot. So he just he just plays the part like perfectly. As you say, it turned out quite uh, silly initially. And then did kind of turn into one of my funniest sketches. The same as when they have the Scottish folk band. <laughs> yeah. And he turns up as Duncan, who's pretending to be homosexual. And that's that's one thing I was like, oh, God, oh, is this going to be a bad 80s joke? But then it turns out, kind of ahead of its time and maybe turned on its head. That yeah. He was the only one that wasn't homosexual. Yeah. And was kind of pretending to be. And I thought that was quite, oh, okay, that's that's okay. I quite like that twist. Yeah, I thought it was funny. And like, I like the kind of islands accents that they're doing, the sort of Orkney accents and whatnot, you know. They're, they're, they're sort of two kind of hand drummers. <laughs> it's maybe a good, maybe that's a good time to mention just on what you said there about that sketch being a bit more subversive and a bit more modern. There's some of the people that wrote for, that like, contributed to, to Naked Video. you got guys on there like Harry Enfield. You probably know that. I had no idea that he had written uh, sketches from there. Apparently in later seasons, uh, Steve Coogan did a bit of writing for it. Rick Mayo. Um, obviously Ian Patterson who, who created Rabsy Nesbitt and would go on to basically have a career in books and plays and television series of Rabsy Nesbitt. Phil Differ is quite a well-known uh, Scottish comedy writer. But I wonder, you know, when you watch some of the sketches, 
I sometimes wonder. I wonder who. I wonder who contributed that. You know, you might think, well, because Harry Enfield's. I remember his sketch show, and he was more of a kind of characters guy. He had, you know, like he had yeah. started off with guys like Stavros and loads of money, and then later on, he would do like the upper class twit and uh, smashy and nicey with Paul Whitehouse. Yeah, so like more character stuff. You, know, I don't know if like maybe Rick Mail might have been a bit more topical you know i'm not sure yeah probably yeah but yeah but some of the humor i mean even for 1986 so we, there was a sketch that you and i i think we're both quite shocked by and it's a sketch where i'm not sure who it is which actors it is because it's hard to see but they they basically dress up as west indian people in london i mean it, it's 100 percent helen ledderer and i think it's andy gray Right. Because if you think about the rest of the show, it was often those two that were paired together as kind of the the English speaking, you know, yeah, couple right. I couldn't see Andy Gray because it was dark. Not a And he was you know and he had I mean, heavy yeah, makeup. They are blacked up. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's horrific. But it it's it's clearly headed Helen Leatherer and she is fully blacked up. And as I say, I, I, we need to go back and check, but I'm pretty certain it's Andy Gray. The one thing I will say about it, right, apart from the fact that you have white people uh, doing impersonations of black people, which obviously just, you know, just doesn't, it's just not acceptable. Uh, but the sketch itself, they're not actually making fun of the minority because they can pay off no. as they think there's burglars yeah. in the house. Uh, yeah. The guy checks. They realise that it is burglars. So, like, oh, we can sleep soundly because it's not the police. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, it's a criticism of the police. Yeah. It's not a... Yeah. Still, okay. Yeah, you still can't do that, but... But you could do it with two black actors, and you, that sketch would be oh, fun. Yeah. It'd be funny. You know what I mean? And they could yeah. probably embellish it a bit more and, and whatnot. Um, but, yeah. Oh, no. If that had been on The Real McCoy, then it would be hilarious. Yeah, but yeah. you can't get away with that on two white actors blacking up but I guess it was 86 so yeah. things were different back then I mean, I don't, but still not acceptable I don't remember a lot of that I mean I know that a lot of like it happened a lot like in the 60s and the 70s I, mean, I know that just from like seeing documentaries and stuff like that about TV then but I, I, I don't remember like, watching stuff like Russ Abbott or Cannon and Ball or you know like that sort of Saturday the afternoon early evening like the comedians and stuff like that I don't really remember like Les Dawson putting on blackface and doing a character like that, or I mean, maybe you can remember. I just, I just, I'm not saying that he never did it. I just don't remember. <laughs> I, I can't remember specific instances, so I'm not going to get myself tied up with anything. No, but of I, I'm pretty certain there was. But interestingly, the the show is is produced uh, by Colin Gilbert, who produced pretty much all the Scottish comedy. At the time, uh, Scotch and Rye kick up the eighties. He worked on Not the Nine O'clock News, which is Scottish, but he worked. He produced City Lights, and he worked. He produced Ramsey Nets. But his father, I noticed on my research, was a man called Jimmy Gilbert, who was also Scottish. But he worked on classic British comedy like uh, Faulty Towers, The Frost Report, Last of the Summer Wine, amongst other things. So uh, Colin's uh, comedy heritage, or his DNA rather, is uh, pretty strong. Obviously, I realised this first series went out in 86, and that would have been the beginning of the, the Falklands, wasn't it? No, so, the Falklands was 82 and 83. Okay, so after the Falklands then. Um, I don't remember us having a, a kind of big 
thing against South Americans, but there seems to be a lot of jokes targeted towards Puerto Ricans or Chileans in this show. I don't know if you noticed that. There's the, I did. You know, they, they have the moon buggy landing and the tires have been stolen. Ah, oh, the Puerto Ricans have been here. Yeah. I think there's a there's another couple of kind of little digs at South American countries. And I was like, what was the need for that back then? I think was it, that I, anything? I think that I think a lot there was a lot of a lot of these um, places like Chile and all that were sort of dictatorships and there was like human rights things going on and some of them were involved in car- like drug cartels and whatnot. I think that's like it was in the news. Because I guess they do have a, there are quite a couple of sketches in terms of like them having them dressed up as dictators. Mm. I mean that that was a great Andy Gray sketch when he's the sniper and he shoots the dictator and goes back to Gregor Fisher as was it the fat man and he's like <laughs> anything off the top shit. <laughs> yeah. So I think we've spoken about Rabsy Nesbit as probably the most famous. I think probably the other famous one to come out of it is the Baldy Man and he had his own sketch show I think or or comedy series. Yeah. Is it just me or is that really not funny? The sketches in Naked Video I don't think are personally speaking they didn't make me laugh either. I think maybe oh, no. I think maybe the reason that it got because it was in like 1995 like the Baldy Man TV show came out square which is you know I say 4 years after Naked Video finished and I don't know if it was maybe like a bit of a trying to cash in on Mr Bean you know because mm, I don't think he yeah. I don't think he ever spoke I don't remember watching the Baldy Man TV show or even seeing any of it to be honest but I, f- I feel like he didn't speak in it he just got into difficult situations much like uh, much like Mr Bean I remember they used them for the one of the Hamlet cigar adverts, and it was actually it, they yes. they appropriated the sketch, the first sketch that he's in when he's in the photo booth in the very first episode, and he he keeps missing the flash. I remember they they used they used that sketch pretty much wholesale in um, in a Hamlet advert. But yeah, yeah, I think it's maybe a bit of its time, you know. I don't find Mister Bean particularly funny either. I mean, there there, there are some there are some little bits in the could uh, of Mister Bean that if I see it. Kind of make me smile, but you know, I think it's it's for me. I like my humour to be a wee bit, a little bit more sophisticated. You know, well, if you're talking about sophisticated humour, then I guess the third most popular would be our Welsh poet Shadwell. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it it didn't strike well with me at all. I didn't find him funny. A, a couple of bits were kind of amusing about his mum not paying the instalments in his trousers or yeah. him going to the zoo, but. I didn't find him funny at all. Hello, I'm Shadwell the Poet. I know what you're saying. Why isn't he dead? (laughs) All the best poets are dead. Well, if it's any consolation, quite a lot of people who've enjoyed my poems in the past are dead now. (laughs) And I don't feel very well myself, as a matter of fact. No, I don't find him funny. I suppose, at the risk of sounding a bit patronising, to a whole country. I just find him kind of charming. You know, that kind of sort of Welsh, mm. you know. I, do, I like, I've got Welsh friends. I like the Welsh accent. It's maybe my second favourite accent from the UK after Scotland. But I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know if maybe we need to see some later Shadwells, but I, I feel like that was a lot funnier back when I was younger. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if I've just got older or if maybe, like we said earlier, I didn't really get into it stride until a few series in but I mean the interesting thing about John Sparks who plays Shadwell is that he also plays um, Fireman Sam in the TV show 
and is the narrator on Peppa Pig. Oh, very good. I didn't realise that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. Because <laughs> I had never heard of him or seen him, and I couldn't place him at all. Because I expected to know everybody that was in Naked Video before I started watching this first season. Like, obviously, I knew Tony Roper, Jonathan Watson, Andy Gray, Gregor Fisher. I knew Helen Lederer and Lindsay Smith were in it. Ron Bain surprised me. So I don't know if he was in later seasons. I know he pops up in the odd thing, you know? Yeah, I think he left after Series 2, I think. Right. I know, I think he popped up in a couple of Rab C's and a couple of Still Games, I think, Ron Bain. I think I looked at his mm. uh, IMDb, but uh, I think John Sparks. Though I think he left after maybe three seasons or something like that, so... I mean, it's a nice mix overall. You have some good longer sketches, which is what I like when you're having a, a kind of sketch show, but you have very quick interspersed. And I know you messaged me during the week to say that you had the the theme tune stuck in your head yeah and i think it's because it does play quite a lot during each episode because they have these two or three little three minute sections where they have like quick 30 second sketches which you know some of them are complete crap like the mundane stuff like the the i think it's elaine c smith and helen redder fighting over a, a bag uh, for fruit and veg, trying to get it open. Yeah. You know, stuff like that falls a bit flat. But then the next sketch, well, it's not the next sketch, but, you know, the next episode, one of those sketches is the guy going to the garage and taking a sex doll out of his coat and blowing it up with the air. Yeah. And I find that quite funny. Yeah. It, it, I think they were hit and miss in terms of the what really hit in those kind of little quick sketches. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like you said, like you said the first episode had 25 sketches in it that's a lot well yeah that was one of the least i mean uh, episodes two and three had 29 sketches each episode four had 31 sketches and episode five 23 and episode six 23 and so, yeah quite a lot of stuff to cover some of them are like 20 seconds long you know what i mean they're if that even they're yeah very much very quick uh little sketches but then some of them are a bit longer but then you'll have you know like a you know, for example episode four which has 31 sketches you have like a it's probably five seconds long jonathan watson just looking at the camera saying you've either got it or you've not got it and that's it that's a sketch yeah yeah and okay it was funny because it was jonathan watson but and then you have these other sketches that i'm like okay why you have the the whole kind of question time set up and you have panel behind the presenter and you have the dramatic music and it's hello welcome to your questions tonight we're asking is jeffrey archer a tit and they all just nod like okay well that's it and like really you've set all that up just for that like a 20 second sketch that wasn't really that funny yeah Going back to the the kind of news that they do at the, near the start of every show. So basically, have I got news for you? Does it I built a whole kind of quiz show around that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like yeah. <laughs> actual news footage, but with joke headlines slash descriptions. You know what I mean? Yeah, you could say that, or you could say even uh, the day to day probably ripped that off. Yeah, yeah. For uh, uh, you know, the start of the show to a kind of higher extent. Yeah, if, yeah. I guess even Brass Eye to some extent, because they would use like actual footage mm. as something else, wouldn't they? So, well, you know, I'm, I feel a bit guilty about not being super enthusiastic about Naked Video. Maybe in the future, like in the far away future, we could have a look at 
maybe one or two of the later seasons and see if her uh, if her suspicions that it gets better are uh, are uh, confirmed. I would like to. I do think because some of the sketches I recall aren't you know I haven't seen you know I I do remember I think Gregor Fisher as the the newsreader from the North Hebrides. I seem to recall sketches with him and Tony Roper as kind of like scientists and they've got stuff in a science lab. There's a few other sketches I seem to remember that I haven't seen yet. So I do think it does find its stride a bit more. But yeah, I'll be honest, the first series, it wasn't great. Yeah, sorry, naked video. Let's try harder. <laughs> well, I think, shall we, is it time to put naked video through our awards? I think we probably could, yeah. Let's have a go through the awards then. What have we got first? What about the James Cosmo Award for being in Everything Scottish? A tough one. I did have a tough one with this, and I did look through everyone, and I kind of came between Fisher and Roper. I mean, Watson could be included as well. So could Smith. Yeah. It, it could go any four of them. I mean, Andy Gray to a certain extent. I kind of had to give it to Gregor Fisher, I think. I, I agree. I agree. But I wanted to make a point about Jonathan Watson. I meant to mention this earlier. So mm. we've seen Jonathan Watson in Naked Video. Mm. We've both watched, although I've not reviewed it for the SWAT, although... Well, sorry, we reviewed it for the Swally. We, did, we saw him in uh, City Lights. We haven't reviewed it for the Swally, but I'm sure it will in the future. He's in Bob Servant. He's in Only an Excuse, which ran for a really long time. And how many? In fact, the last one only... I think the last one only went out in maybe 2018 or 19. Long time. Uh, I didn't know. I think it was this... Uh, it was 2020. Was it? It was the, right. the last... Yeah, it was the last one ever, yeah. He most recently is in Two Doors Down. So that's... A, that, that, those are all... By no means what I've mentioned are the only things he's done in the last 35 years. How come he looks exactly the fucking same now yeah, yeah, in Two Doors yeah. Down? If, yeah. it, if anything, he looks younger I, in Two Doors Down than he does in City Lights or Naked Video. You know what I think swayed us of the, the City Lights was that he had a moustache. And watching him in this, um, in Naked Video, I I was amazed. I was like, he, he doesn't look any different. No, I know. How does he... Yeah, he looks brilliant. And I would like to give it to him because, again, we haven't really spoken about him that much, but he, he kind of disappears, I think, like... Like about episodes two, three, and four. He seems to be in the first episode and then he kind of vanishes and then he pops up again yeah. in the later episodes. I don't know if that was something to do with just the way they'd filmed the, the sketches, but yeah, he does deserve because he is in a lot of stuff. But I think purely has to be Gregor Fisher, I think, yeah. from, from the amount of Scottish stuff that he's done. That was who I gave it to, but I would happily give it to Watson, Roper, or even Smith. You know, I think they all deserve a shade of that award. Maybe then to that point, it should be a company award to the company of actors. Could be. Yeah, make it fair. It should be actually. Yeah, let's let's do that then. The Frank Begbie gratuitous swearing award. Not a huge amount, I don't think, in this, is it? I think it's like two or three instances. Um, I gave it to, to Rab for his sketch with Andy Gray yeah. when he's in the DSS office and he says, maybe I'll go out and chip some bastard. I agree. Wine, is it? Wine! Don't you wine me, pal, don't you wine me! Because I don't, I don't, I don't drink wine, yeah, yeah, I don't drink wine. Ah, well, fair enough, fair enough. Maybe I'll take, maybe I'll take a wee slug now and again, a wee drink, and maybe I'll fall down and maybe I'll stand back up again and maybe I'll chip some bastard. Um, the for the Jake McQuillan your tease out award, I gave it to uh, Elaine C Smith for 
sticking the heat on Ron Bain in that last Ramsey Nesbitt sketch at the end where she headbutts him before they leave his office. I'll I'll give it to that then, yeah. I had uh, Jonathan Watson as Ala Jones getting kicked in the balls. Yeah. But I'll give it to, to Mary Doll sticking the heat on him. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, you can take that, definitely. Deserves an honourable mention, anyway, uh, the Ala Jones. Yeah. Archetypal Scottish moment. So you, I think we would have expected there to have been a lot more of these in Naked Video. Yeah. Right? You know? I've just given it to Rab Sines, but overall, to be honest, there, w- there was a lot that kind of... I couldn't think what else to give it to. So I've just given it to Rab C because... Yeah, I think Rab gets it. That was it. I think there are two other ones that deserve a mention. The mm. sketch about the... The sketch with the orange guys saying how they <laughs> they accept anybody, Presbyterians, etc. And then one guy says, yeah, I'm a Catholic, and they attack him. It's maybe not... It's maybe not a Scottish moment, maybe more of a Western Scotland moment. And the sketch where with um, Gregor Fisher and Tony Roper playing the two Jakeys with a good bin guide in the <laughs> raking through the bins. But I think uh, it's very difficult not to give it to Rab. And then I think probably the toughest one to award is probably the Sean Connery who won the show slash who got to go home and fuck the prom queen. I, I gave it to Gregor Fisher. Purely because he had two characters to come off of this show yeah. in terms of Rabsy Nesbitt and the Baldy Man. So I think he wins it kind of overall. And he is in my favourite sketch of the entire show, which we um, will do next in terms of our favourite sketches. Or okay. I don't know if you've picked a favourite sketch. Yeah, or... yeah, I've got I've got a couple. Um... But yeah, he for me wins it. I, I think you could give it to a multitude of people because I think Helen Ledger is fantastic in it. I think Elaine C. Smith is great because, as you said, earlier she does you know all the singing and she's got a great voice yeah uh they're all great but yeah i i gave it to gregor fisher i gave it to gregor fisher too but i did have honorable mention for elaine c smith although she's not had the same level of success following a naked video as maybe gregor fisher and maybe even a couple of other guys have just for her sort of versatility and it you know what i mean we just we discovered that she's a good singer she can do a good silver black impression you know various other bits and bobs so i think runner-up uh sean award for elaine c smith i think and okay so what was your what was your favorite scene uh, favorite sorry sketch or sketches without a shadow of a doubt it was episode five it had me in tears and it's the sketch with gregor fisher as e jones stud <laughs> when he's driving around in his rent-a-ride van. Morning. See anything you fancy then? <laughs> Just now, thanks. You are one hot bitch lady. Later, <laughs> I'll look forward to it. Because it just starts off so inconspicuous. He's in this shop, he's got a northern accent, he's polishing an ornament, and you're just thinking, what is this? And he's like, oh, so I got a government grant and I was doing this. <laughs> and it uh, turned out I uh, became a gigolo. And I just couldn't help but laugh, and that that was genuinely my favourite sketch of the whole show. I thought it was hilarious. I think I think we have to give it to that one. But the other the other one that had me cracking up was that C fax um, section positions <laughs> of the week. <laughs> First sketch. I know. My expectations were raised so high off the back of that sketch, but like you know, like you and I are of, a, are of an age where. We remember CFAX, we remember like looking at the football scores, putting the subtitles on, doing like the bamboozle quiz or, you know, whatever else. And, you know, I mean, there would, there would be recipes on there, there'd be news on there and all that kind of thing. And just like for CFAX 
to have the sexual position of the week is just genius. <laughs> it's just absolute genius. Just to get this right, your favourite sketch is one that no actors were involved in at all. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know there, there were a lot of sketches that I really liked that actors were in, but that one, that one, I feel like that one made me laugh the most, apart from the, the Gregor Fisher as the kind of Kickstarter stud. <laughs> so, well, Rick Steen in Aberdeen. That rhymes. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about Naked Video. I'm sorry we didn't. I'm sorry we don't have as fond memories of it as you clearly do. We ho- I hope you enjoyed the episode anyway. And I'm, and I'm glad that I'm glad that we. I'm glad that I watched it. I, 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 don't, I don't regret watching it. It was good to spend time with Gregor Fisher and Tony Roper and N.C. Smith and all those guys. So. Oh, I'm happy we watched it uh, again, and I'm delighted to be able to go back to it. But I don't think I'll be watching that anytime soon. Apart from the John Studd sketch, I may watch that quite a lot okay how oh, well thank you very much uh well that was a listener request now i picked under the skin a couple of weeks ago so it's your choice this week greg so what are we going to be looking at next time on the swally when you chose under the skin i had never seen it before so i've chose something that i don't think you've ever seen before we've done like what this is like a 20 second episode i think that we're that we're recording now um yeah i think 23 will be the next one yeah and we have never had one of the actors on anything we've reviewed yet which is a bit weird considering what a massive scottish and international personality he is so i've chosen 1993's down among the big boys starring billy connolly and Doogie Henshaw and Swally favourite Alex Norton <laughs> written by Peter McDougall who wrote uh, Just a Boy's Game which we reviewed back last year which is still available on the on the podcast directory you can find a link to it on our website but I don't think you've seen it so it's a kind of I don't think I have drama but with some very funny moments in it as well so I hope you enjoy watching it the name rings a bell so much, but I don't know if I have seen it. I'll need to check. As soon as I start watching it, I'll I'll know if I have, but I don't think I have. Great. So I look forward to discussing that with you next time. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Instagram at Culture Swally Pod, or you can email us with anything you'd like us to review. Look, look we just covered a review from Rick Steen from Aberdeen. So if you want to get in touch with us, then you can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com and similarly if you've got any news stories just send them in or you can follow us on twitter at swallypod or hey why don't you check out our website Greg got all the details of that because he's built it himself and he's very proud of it <laughs> yeah so you can visit us at cultureswallyblog.com where you can find links to other episodes you can also find links to some of our favourite news stories that we have reviewed over the last 20 plus episodes of the Culture Swally and we'll when uh, time permits and when I can work out how to do it we'll add up we'll add in other bits and bobs or Scottish culture and more information about the movies TV shows that we've reviewed so fantastic right well I'm off to get down among the big boys okay <laughs> Me too. until next time Greg until thank next you time. very much have a good week see you later all the best all the best